Hello, everyone. My name is Shreya, and you're listening to the Harry Potter Podcast. Previous episode, we read chapter number 15, The Forbidden Forest. In this episode, we will be reading chapter 16, Through the Trap Door. So let's begin. Chapter 16, Through the Trap Door. In years to come, Harry would never quite remember how he managed to get through his exams when he half expected Voldemort to come bursting through the door at any moment. Yet, the days crept by, and there could be no doubt that Fluffy was still alive and well behind the locked door. It was sweltering hot, especially in the large classroom where they had written their papers. They had been given special new quills for the exams, which had been bewitched with the anti-cheating spell. They had practical exams as well. Professor Flitwick called them one by one into this class to see if they could make a pineapple dance across a desk. Professor McGonagall watched them turn a mouse into a snuff box. Points were given for how pretty the snuff box was, but taken away if it had whiskers. Snape made them all nervous, breathing down their desks while they tried to remember how to make a forgetfulness potion. Harry did the best he could, trying to ignore the stabbing pains in his forehead, which had been bothering him ever since the trip into the forest. Neville thought Harry had a bad case of exam nerves because Harry couldn't sleep, but the truth was Harry kept being awoken by this old nightmare, except that it was now worse because there was a hooded figure dripping blood in it. Maybe it was because they hadn't seen what Harry had seen in the forest, or because they didn't have scars burning on their foreheads. But Ron and Hermione didn't seem as worried about the stone as Harry. The idea of Voldemort certainly scared them, but he didn't keep visiting them in dreams. And they were so busy with their revision that they didn't have much time to fret about Snape or anyone else might be up to. Their very last exam was History of Magic. One hour of answering questions about batty old wizards who invented self-steering cauldrons and they'd be free. Free for a whole wonderful week until their exam results came out. When the ghost of Professor Bince told them to put down their quills and roll up their parchment, Harry couldn't help cheering with the rest. That was far easier than I thought it would be, said Hermione, as they joined the crowds flocking out in the sunny grounds. I need to have learned the 1637 Railwolf Code or conduct, or the uprising of Elfric the Eager. Hermione always liked to go through their exam papers afterwards, but Ron said this made him feel ill. So they wandered down to the lake and flopped under a tree. The Weasley twins and Lee Jordan were tickling the tentacles of a giant squid, which was basking in the warm shallows. No more revision. Ron sighed happily, stretching out in the grass. You could look more cheerful, Harry. We've got a week before we find out how badly we've done. There's no need to worry yet. Harry was rubbing his forehead. I wish I knew what this means, he burst out angrily. My scar keeps hurting. It's happened before, but never as often as this. Go to Madame Pomfrey, Hermione suggested. I'm not ill, said Harry. I think it's a warning. It means danger's coming. Ron couldn't get worked up. It was too hot. Harry, relax. Hermione's right. The stone's safe as long as Dumbledore's around. 
Anyway, we've never had any proof Snape found out how to get past Fluffy. He nearly had his leg ripped off once. He's not going to try it again in a hurry. And Neville will play Quidditch for England before Hagrid lets Dumbledore down. Harry nodded, but he couldn't shake off the lurking feeling that there was something he'd forgotten to do. Something important. When he tried to explain this, Hermione said, That's just the exams. I woke up last night and I was halfway through my transfiguration notes before I remembered we'd done that. Harry was quite sure the unsettled feeling didn't have anything to do with work, though. He watched an owl flutter towards the school across a bright blue sky, a note clamped in its mouth. Hagrid was the only one who'd ever sent him letters. Hagrid would never betray Dumbledore. Hagrid would never tell anyone how to get past Fluffy. Never. But Harry suddenly got to his feet. Where are you going? said Ron sleepily. I've just got thought of something, said Harry. He had gone white. We've got to go and see Hagrid now. Why? panted Hermione, hurrying to keep up. Don't you think it's a bit odd, said Harry, scrambling up in the grass up, that what Hagrid wants more than anything else a dragon, and a stranger turns up who just happens to have an egg in his pocket. How many people wander around with dragon eggs if it's against wizard law? Lucky they found Hagrid, don't you think? Why didn't I see it before? What are you on about? said Ron, but Harry sprinted across the grounds through the forest, didn't answer. Hagrid was sitting in his armchair outside his house. His trousers and sleeves were rolled up, and he was shelling peas into a large bowl. Hello, he said, smiling. Finish your exams. Got time for a drink? Yes, please, said Ron, but Harry cut him across. No, we're in a hurry, Hagrid. I've got something to ask you. You know, at the night you won over, what did the stranger you were playing cards with look like? Dunno, said Hagrid casually. He won't take his clothes off. He saw the three of them look stunned and raised eyebrows. Isn't that unusual? He got a lot of funny folk in Hog's head. That's one of the pubs down in the village. Might have been a dragon dealer, mighty. I never saw his face. He kept it his thought. Harry sank in the bowl of peas. What did you talk to him about, Hagrid? You didn't mention Hogwarts at all? Might have come up, said Hagrid, frowning as he tried to remember. Yeah, yeah. He asked what I did, and I told him I was a gamekeeper here. He asked me about what sort of creature that I looked after, so I told him. And I said what I really wanted was a dragon. And I can't remember too well, because he kept buying me drinks. Let's see. Yeah, then he said he had a dragon egg and we can play cards if you wanted to. But he had to be sure I could handle it. He didn't want to go to any old home. So I told him, after Fluffy, a dragon would be easy. And did he seem... Interested in Fluffy? Harry asked, trying to keep his voice calm. Well, yeah. How about a three-headed dogs you meet, even at, around Hogwarts? So I told him, Fluffy's a piece of cake. If you know how to keep him down, just play him a bit of a m music, and he'll go straight to sleep. Hagrid's son looked horrified. I shouldn't have told you that. He blurted out, forgot I said it. Harry, where'd you going? Harry, Ron, and Hermione didn't speak to each other uh, until... They halted the entrance hall, which seemed very cold and gloomy after the grounds. We've got to go to Dumbledore, 
said Harry. Hagrid told that stranger how to get past Fluffy, and it was either Snape or Voldemort under that cloak. It must have been easy once he got Hagrid drunk. I just hope Dumbledore believes us. Friends might be back us up if Bane doesn't stop him. Where's Dumbledore's office? They looked around, as if hoping a sign pointing at the right direction. They'd never been told where Dumbledore lived, nor did they know where anyone had been sent to see him. We'll just have to... Harry began it, but a voice suddenly rang across him. What are you three doing inside? It was Professor McGonagall, carrying a large pile of books. We want to see Professor Dumbledore, said Hermione, rather bravely, Harry and Ron thought. See Professor Dumbledore, said Professor McGonagall, repeated as though it was a very fishy thing to want to do. Why? Harry swallowed, now what? It's sort of a secret, he said, but he wished he hadn't said it, because Professor McGonagall's nostrils fled. Professor Dumbledore left ten minutes ago, she said. He received an urgent out from the Ministry of Magic and flew off to London at once. He's gone, said Harry frantically. Now! Professor Dumbledore is a great wizard, Harry Potter, and he might have demands on his time. But this is important. Something you just have to say is more important than the Minister of Magic, Potter. Look, Harry throwing caution to the wind. Professor, it's about the Philosopher's Stone. Whatever Professor McGonagall had expected, it wasn't there. The book she was carrying tumbled out of her arms, but she didn't pick them up. How? How do you know? She spluttered. Professor, I think I I know that's n- that someone's going to try to steal the stone. I've got to talk to Professor M- Dumbledore. She eyed him with a mixture of shock and suspicion. Professor Dumbledore will be back tomorrow, she said. Finally, I don't know how you found about the stone, but rest assured, no one can possibly see it. It's too well protected. Professor Potter, I know what I'm talking about, she said shortly. She bent down and gathered the following books. I suggest you'll go back inside and enjoy the sunshine. But they didn't. It's tonight, said Harry, once he was sure Professor McGonagall was out of earshot. Snape's going to go through the trapdoor tonight. He found out everything he needs, and now he's got Dumbledore out of his way. He sent that note. I bet the Ministry of Magic will get a real shock when Dumbledore turns up. But what can we... Hermione gasped. Harry and Ron wheeled out. Snape was standing there. Good afternoon, he said smoothly. They stared at this. You shouldn't be inside on a day like this, he said with an odd, twisted smile. We were, Harry began without any idea what he was going to say. You want to be more careful, said Snape. Hanging around like this, people would think you're up to something. And Gryffindor can't really afford to lose any more points, can they? Harry flushed. They turned to go back outside, but Snape called them back. Be warned, Potter. Any more nighttime wanderings, and I will personally make you sure that you are expelled. Good day to you. He strode off in one direction to the staff room. Out of the stone step, Harry turned to the others. Right, here's what we're going to do, he whispered urgently. One of us has got to keep an eye on Snape, way outside the staff room, and follow him until he leaves it. Hermione, would you do that? Why me? It's obvious, said Ron. You can pretend to be waiting for the Professor Flitwick, can't you? He put on her. 
Hey, Professor Flitwick, I'm so worried. I think I've got a question 14B wrong. Oh, shut up, said Hermione. But she agreed to go and watch out for Snape. And we better stay outside on the third floor corridor, Harry told Ron. Come on. But the part of the plan didn't work. No sooner had they reached the door separating Fluffy from the rest of the school than Professor McGonagall turned up again, and this time she lost her temper. I suppose you think you're harder to get past than a pack of enchantments, she stormed. Enough of this nonsense. If I hear you come anywhere near here again, I'll take another fifty points from Gryffindor. Yes, Weasley, from my own house. Harry and Ron went back to the common room. Harry had just said, at least Hermione's on Snape's tail, when the, the portrait of the fat lady swung open and Hermione came in. I'm sorry, Harry, she wailed. Snape came out and asked me what I was doing, and I so I said I was waiting for Flitwick, and Snape went to go get him, and I've only just got away. I don't know where Snape went. Well, that's it then, isn't it? Harry said. The other two stared at him. He was pale and his eyes were glittering. I'm going to go out of here tonight, and I'm going to try and get to the stone first. You're mad, said Ron. You can't, said Hermione. After what McGonagall and Snape said, you'll be expelled. So what? Harry shouted. Don't you understand? If Snape gets a hold of that stone, Voldemort's coming back. Haven't you heard what it was like when he was trying to take over? There won't be any Hogwarts to get expelled from. He flattened it, or turned it into a school for dark art. Losing points doesn't matter anymore, can't you see? Do you think he'll leave you and your families alone and the Gryffindor wins the house cup? If I get caught before I get the stone, well, I'll have to go back to the Jerseys and wait for Voldemort to find me there. It's only dying a bit later than I would have done. But I'm never going to get on the dark side. I'm going through the trap door tonight, and nothing you two say is going to stop me. Voldemort killed my parents, remember? He glared at them. You're right, Harry, said Hermione in a small voice. I'll use the invisibility cloak, said Harry. It's just lucky I have got it back. Well, we'll cover all three of us, said Ron. All, all three of us? Oh, come off it. You don't think we'd let you go alone? Of course not, said Hermione briskly. How do you think you'd get the stone without us? I'd better go and look through my books. There might some, be something useful. But if we get caught, you two will be expelled too. Not if I can help it, said Hermione grimly. Flickwell told me a secret that I got 112% on the exams. They're not throwing me out after that. After dinner, the three of them sat nervously apart in the common room. Nothing bothered them. None of the Gryffindors had said anything to Harry anymore, after all. This was the first night he hadn't been upset by it. Hermione was skimming through her notes, hoping to come across one of the enchantments they were about to try and break. Harry and Ron didn't talk much. Both of them were thinking about what they were going to do. Slowly, the room emptied as people drifted off to bed. Better get the cloak, Ron muttered as Lee Jordan finally left, stretching and yawning. Harry ran upstairs to the dark dormitory. He pulled out the cloak and then 
his eyes fell on the flute Haggard had given him for Christmas. He pocketed it to use it for Fluffy. He didn't feel much like singing. He ran back down to the common room. We'd better put the cloak on here and make sure it covers all three of us. If Phil spots one of our feet wandering around on its own, what are you doing? said a voice from the corner of the room. Neville appeared from behind an armchair, clutching Trevor the toad, who looked as though he'd been making another bid for freedom. Nothing, Neville, nothing, said Harry, hurriedly putting the cloak behind his back. Neville stared at their guilty faces. You're not going out again, he said. No, 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 Neville, said Hermione. No, we're not. Why don't you go to bed? Harry looked at the grandfather clock by the door. They couldn't afford to waste any more time. Snape might even now be playing Fluffy to sleep. You can't go out, said Neville. You'll be caught again. Gryffindor will be even more trouble. You don't understand, said Harry. This is important. But Neville was clearly sailing himself to do something desperate. I won't let you do it, he said, hurrying to stand in front of the portrait. I'll, I'll fight you. Neville! Ron exploded. Get away from that hole and don't be an idiot. Don't you call me an idiot, said Neville. I don't think you should be breaking any more rules. And you were the one who told me to stand up to people. Yes, but not to us, said Ron in exasperation. Neville, you don't know what you're doing. He took a step forward and Neville dropped Trevor the toad who leapt out of sight. Go on, then try and hit me, said Neville, raising his fist. I'm ready. Harry turned to Hermione. Do something, he said desperately. Hermione stepped forward. Neville, she said, I'm I'm really, really sorry about this. She raised her wand. Petrificus totalis, she cried, pointing it at Neville. Neville's arms snapped to his side. His legs sprang together. His whole body rigid, he swayed where he stood, and then fell fat on his face, stiff as a board. Hermione ran to turn him over. Neville's jaws were jammed together so he couldn't speak. Only his eyes were moving, looking at them in horror. What have you done to him? Harry whispered. It's the full body bind, said Hermione miserably. Oh, Neville, I'm so sorry. We had to, Neville. No time to explain, said Harry. You'll understand later, Neville, said Ron as they stepped over him and pulled on the invisible cloak. But leaving Neville lying motionless on the floor didn't feel like a very good omen. Their nervous state, every statue's shadow looked like filch. Every distant breath of wind sounded like peeves swooping down on them. At their foot of the first set of stairs, they spotted Mrs. Norris sulking near to the top. Oh, let's kick her just as once. Ron whispered in Harry's ear, but Harry shook his head. As they climbed carefully around her, Mrs. Norris turned up lamp-like eyes on them, but didn't do anything. They didn't need meet anyone else until they reached the stairs up on the third floor. Peeves was bobbing halfway up, loosening the carpet so that people would trip. Who's there? he said suddenly as they climbed towards him. He narrowed his wicked black eyes. Now you're there. Even if I can't see you, I'm a ghoulie or ghosty or wasted bestie.
He rose up in the chair and floated there, squinting at them. Should call it filch, I should. If something's a-creeping around unseen, Harry suddenly had an idea. Peeves, he said in a hoarse whisper. The bloody Baron has his own reasons for being invisible. Peeves almost fell out of the air in shock. He caught himself in time and hovered about a foot on the stairs. So sorry, your bloodliness, Mr. Baron, sir. He said greasily, my mistake, my mistake. I didn't see you. Of course I didn't. You're invisible. Hey, forget of old Peeves be his little joke, sir. I have business here, Peeves, croaked Harry. Stay away from this place tonight. I will, sir. I most certainly will, said Peeves, rising up again. Hope your business goes well, Baron. I'm not going to bother you. He scooted away. Brilliant, Harry, whispered Ron. A few seconds later... They were there, outside the third-floor corridor, and the door was already ajar. Well, there you are, Harry said quietly. Snape's already got past Fluffy. Seeing the open door somehow seemed to impress upon all three of them what was facing them. Underneath the cloak, Harry turned to the other two. If you want to go back, I don't blame you, he said. You can take the cloak. I won't need it now. Don't be stupid, Harry, said Ron. We're coming, said Hermione. Harry pushed the door open. As the door creaked, low, rumbling growls met their ears. All three of the dogs' noses sniffed madly in their direction, even though it couldn't see them. What? It's at its feet, Hermione whispered. Looks like a harp, said Ron. They must have left it there. It must wake up the moment you stop playing, said Harry. Well, here goes. He put Hagrid's flute on his lips and blew. It was a really a tune, but the first note, the beat's eyes began to droop. Harry hardly drew breath. Slowly, the dog growled, seized. It tottered on its paws and fell to its knees. Then it slumped to the ground, fast asleep. Keep playing. Ron warned Harry as he slipped out of the cloak and crept towards the trapdoor. They could feel the dog's hot, smelly breath as they approached the giant heads. I think we'll be open to the door, said Ron, peering over the dog's back. Want to go first, Miney? No, I don't. All right. Ron gittered his teeth and stepped carefully over the dog's legs. He bent and pulled the ring of the trapdoor, which swung open. What can you see? Hermione said anxiously. Nothing, just black. There's no way of climbing down. I just have to drop. Hey, he was still playing the field. Waved at Ron to get his attention and pointed at himself. You want to go first? Are you sure? Said Ron. I don't know how deep this thing goes. Give the flute to Hermione so you can keep him asleep. Harry handed the flute over. In a few seconds' silence, the dog growled and twitched, but at the moment Hermione began to play, it fell back into its deep sleep. Harry climbed over it and looked down the, through the trap door. There was no sign of the bottom. He lowered himself through the hole until he was hanging by his fingertips. Then he looked up and Ron said, If anything happens to me, don't follow. Go straight to the Owlery and send Hedwig to Dumbledore, right? Right said Ron. See you in a minute, I hope. And Harry let go. Cold, damp air rushed past him and fell down flump. 
With a funny muffled sound of a thump, he landed on something soft. He sat up and felt around his eyes not in gloom. It felt as though he was sitting in some sort of plant. It's okay, he called up to light the size of the postage stamp, which was open trapdoor. It's a soft landing. You can jump. Ron followed straight away. He landed sprawled next to Harry. What's this stuff? Where his first was. Don't know. Sort of plant, I suppose, if it's here to break the fall. Come on, Hermione. The distant music stopped. There was a, a loud bark from the dock, but Hermione had already jumped. She landed on the Harry's other side. We must be miles under the school, she said. Lucky this plant thing's here, really, said Ron. Lucky, she to my look at you both. She leapt up and struggled towards a dimple. She had to struggle because the moment she had landed, the plant had started to twist snake-like trendles around her ankles. As for Harry and Ron, their legs had already been found tightly in the long creepers without their noticing. Hermione had managed to free herself before the plant had got a firm grip on her. Now she watched in horror as the two boys fought to play the plant off, but they were more strained against it. The tighter and faster the plant would wound them. Stop moving, Hermione ordered them. I know what it is. It's, it's devil's snare. Oh, I'm so glad we know what it's called. That's a great help, snarled Ron, leaning back, trying to stop the plant, curling around his neck. Shut up! I'm trying to remember how to kill it, said Hermione. Well, hurry up! I can't breathe! Harry gasped, wrestling with it as it curled around its chest. Devil snare, devil snare, what a Professor Sprout says, dark and dark time. So light a fire! said Harry. Yes, of course, but there's no wood, Hermione cried, ringing her Have you gone mad? Ron bellowed. Are you a witch or not? Oh, right, said Hermione, and she whipped out her wand, waved it, muttering something, and sent a jet of the same bluebell flames she had used on Snape as a plan. It's a matter of seconds the two boys felt it loosening its grip and cringed away the light and the warmth. Wriggling and failing, it unraveled itself from their bodies, and they were able to free. Lucky you pay attention, Herbology, Hermione, said Harry, as he joined her by the wall, wiping seat off. Yeah, said Ron, and lucky Harry doesn't lose his head in this crisis. There's no wood, honestly. This way, said Harry, pointing down a stone passageway, which was the only way on. All they could hear, apart from their footsteps, was the gentle drip of water trickling down the walls. The passageway sloped downwards, and Harry was reminded of Gringotts, with an unpleasant jolt in his heart. He remembered the dragons said to be guarding vaults in the wizard's bank. If they met a dragon, a full-grown dragon, Norbert had been banned enough. "'Can you hear something?' Ron whispered. Harry listened. A soft rustling and clinking seemed to be coming from a ghost ahead. Do you think it's a ghost? I don't know. Sounds like wings to me. There's light ahead. I can see something's moving. They reached the end of a passageway and saw before them a brilliantly lit chamber in ceiling arching high above them. It was full of small jewel-bright birds fluttering and tumbling all around the room.
On the opposite side of the chamber was a heavy wooden door. Do you think they'll attack us if we cross the room? said Ron. Probably, said Harry. They don't look vicious, but I suppose if they all swoop down at once, well, there's nothing for it. I'll run. He took a deep breath, covered his face with his arms, and sprinted across the room. He expected to fall sh on sharp beaks and claws tearing at him any second. But nothing happened. He reached the door untouched. He pulled the handle, but it was locked. The other two followed him. They tugged and heaved at the door, but it wouldn't budge, not even when Hermione her Alohomora charm. Now what? said Ron. These birds, they can't be here for decoration, said Hermione. They watched soaring overhead, glittering, glittering. They're not birds, Harry said suddenly. They're keys. Winged keys looking careful. So that must mean he looked around the chamber while the other two squinted up at the flock of keys. Yes, look, broomsticks. We've got to catch the key to the door. But there are hundreds of them, examined the lock on the big door. We're looking for a big old-fashioned one, probably, silver like the handle. They seized a broomstick each and kicked off into the air, soaring into the mid-dust of cloud of keys. They grabbed and snatched, but the bewitched keys darted and dived so quickly that it was impossible to catch one. Not for nothing, though. Harry was the youngest seeker in a century. He had a knack for spotting things other people didn't. After minutes weaving about through the whirl of rainbow feathers, he noticed a large silver key that had been bent wing, as if it had already been caught and stuffed thoroughly into the keyhole. That one, he called to the others. The big one, there. No, there. The bright blue wings. The feathers are all crumpled on one side. Ron went speeding in the direction in that Harry was pointing, crashed to the ceiling, and nearly fell off his broom. We've got to close in on it, Harry called, not taking his eyes off the key with the damaged ring. Ron, you come at it from above. Hermione, stay below and stop it going down. And I'll try to catch it. Right now! Ron dived. Hermione rocketed upwards. The key dodged them both and Harry streaked for it. It sped towards the wall. Harry leaned forward with the nasty, crunching noise. It pinned it against the stone with one hand. Ron and Hermione's cheered echoed in the high chamber. They landed quickly, and Harry ran to the door, the key struggling in his hand. He rammed it into the lock and turned. It worked. The moment the lock had clicked open, the key took flight again, looking very battered now that it had been caught twice. Ready? Harry asked the other two, his hand on the door of the handle. They nodded. He pulled the door open. The next chamber was so dark they couldn't see anything at all. But as they stepped into it, lights suddenly flooded the room to reveal an astonishing sight. They were standing on the edge of a huge chessboard. Behind the black chessmen were all taller than they were and carved from what they looked like a black stone. Facing them, Way across the chamber were the white pieces. Harry, Ron, and Hermione shivered slightly. The towering white chessmen had no faces. Now what do we do? Harry whispered. It's obvious, isn't it? 
said Ron. We've got to play our way across the room. Behind the white pieces, they could see another door. How? said Hermione nervously. I think, said Ron, we're going to have to be the chessmen. He walked up to the black knight and put his hand out to touch the knight's horse. At once the stone sprang to life. The horse pawed to the ground, and the knight turned his helmeted head to look down at Ron. Do we uh, have to join you to get across? The black knight nodded. Ron turned to the other two. This what's thinking about, he said. I suppose we've got to take the place of three of the black pieces. Harry Hermione stayed quiet, watching Ron think. Finally, he said, Now, don't be offended or anything, but neither of you are that good at chess. We're not offended, said Harry quickly. Just tell us what to do. Well, Harry, you can take the place of the bishop, and Hermione, you can go instead of the tassel. What about you? I'm going to be a knight, said Ron. The chessmen seemed to have been listening, because at the words of knight, a bishop and a castle turned their backs on the white pieces and walked off the board, leaving three empty squares, which Harry, Ron, and Hermione took. White always plays first in chess, said Ron, peering across the board. Yes, look. A white pawn had moved forward two squares. Ron started to direct the black pieces. They moved silently wherever he had sent them. Harry's knees were trembling. What if they lost? Harry moved diagonally four squares to the right. Their first real shock came when the other knight was taken. The white queen smashed him to the floor and dragged him off the board, whether he lay quite still face down. Had to let that happen, said Ron, looking shaken. Leaves you free to take the bishop. Hermione, go on. Every time one of their men lost, the white pieces showed no mercy. Soon there were a huddled of limp black players slumped along the wall. Twice Ron had only had just noticed that Hermione and Harry were in danger. He himself darted around the board, taking almost as many white pieces as they had lost black ones. We're nearly there, he muttered suddenly. Let me think, let me think. The white queen turned her blank face towards him. Yes, said Ron. It's the only way. I've got to be taken. No! Harry and Hermione shouted. That's chess, snapped Ron. You've got to make some sacrifice. I'll make my move and she'll take me. That leaves you free to checkmate the king, Harry. But do you want to stop Snape or not? Ron, look, if we don't hurry up, He'll already have the stone. There was nothing else for it. Ready? Ron called. His face pale but determined. He, here I go. Now, don't hang around once you've won. He stepped forward and the white queen pounced. She struck Ron hard around the head with her stone arm and he crashed the floor. Hermione screamed but stayed on her square. The white queen dragged Ron to the side. He looked as if he'd been knocked out. Shaking, Harry moved three spaces to the left. The White King took off his crown and threw it at Harry's feet. They had won. The chessmen parted and bowed, leaving the door ahead clear. With 
One last desperate look back at Ron. Harry and Hermione charge through the door and up the next passageway. What if he's... He'll be all right, said Harry, trying to convince himself. What do you reckon is next? We've had Sprouts, that was the Devil's Snare. Flitwick's must have been charms on the keys. McGonagall transfigured the chessmen. Drank them alive. That leaves Quirrell's spell and Snape's. They had reached another door. All right. Harry whispered, go on. Harry pushed it open. A disgusting smell filled their nostrils, making both of them pull their robes above their noses. Eyes watering, they saw flat on the floor in front of them, a troll even larger than one they had tackled, out cold with a bloody lump on its head. I'm glad we didn't have to fight that one, Harry whispered, as they stepped carefully above its massive legs. Come on, I can't breathe. He pulled the next door, both of them hardly daring to look what came next. But there was nothing very frightening in here. Just a table with seven different shaped bottles standing on it in a line. Snape's, said Harry. What do we do? They stepped over the threshold and immediately a fire sprang up behind them in the doorway. It wasn't an ordinary fire either. It was purple. At the same instant, black flames shot up at the door leading to onwards. They were trapped. Look! Hermione seized a roll of paper lying next to the bottles. Harry looked over her shoulder to read it. Danger lies before you, while safety lies behind. Two of us will help you, whichever you may find. One among us, seven will let you move ahead. Another will transport the drinker back instead. Two among our members hold only for wine. Three of us are killers. Wailing hidden in line. Choose unless you wish to stay here forevermore. To help you in your choice, we give you these clues for. First, however, slyly the poison fries to hide. You will always find some on Neffel wine's left side. Second, different are those who stand at either end. But if you would move onwards, neither is your friend. Third, as you see clearly, they're all different size. Neither dwarf nor giants hold debts in their insides. Fourth, the second left and second on the right are twins once you taste them, though different at first sight. Hermione let out a great sigh and Harry, amazed, saw that she was smiling. The very last thing he felt like doing. Brilliant, said Hermione. This is a magic. It's a logic. A puzzle. A lot of greatest wizards haven't got an ounce of logic. They'd be stuck in here forever. But so we will, won't we? Of course not, said Hermione. Everything we need is on this paper. Seven bottles, There are po three are poison, and two are wine. One will help us get safely through the black fire, and one will get us through the purple. But how do we know which one to drink? Give me a minute. Hermione read this paper several times. And she walked up and down the lines of battles, muttering to herself and pointing at them. At last, she clapped her hands. Got it, she said. The smallest bottle will get us through the black fire, towards the stone. Harry looked at the tiny bottle. There's only enough for one of us, he said. That's hardly one swallow. They looked at each other. Which one will 
get you back to the purple flames. Hermione pointed at the rounded bottle at the right end of the line. You drink that. Now, listen. Get back to, and go get Ron. Grab brooms from the flying key room. They'll get you out of the trap door and past Fluffy. Go straight to the owlery and set Hedwig to Dumbledore. We need him. I might be able to hold Snape for a while, but I'm no match for him, really. But Harry, what if you know who's with him? Well, I was lucky once, wasn't I? Said Harry, pointing at his scarf. I might be lucky again. Hermione's lip trembled as she suddenly dashed at Harry and threw her arms around him. Hermione? Harry, you're a great wizard, you know. I'm not as good as you, said Harry, very embarrassed as she let go of him. Me? said Hermione. Books and cleverness. They're more important things. Friendship and bravery. And oh, Harry, be careful. You drink first, said Harry. You sure which is which, aren't you? Positive, said Hermione. She took a long drink from the round bottle at the end and shuddered. It's not poison, said Harry anxiously. No, but it's like ice. Quick, go, before it wear off. Good luck. Take care. Go. Hermione turned and walked straight through the purple fire. Harry took a deep breath and picked up the smallest bottle. He turned to face the black flames. Here I come, he said, and he drained the little bottle in one gulp. It was indeed as though ice was flooding towards his body. He put the bottle down and walked forward. He braced himself, saw the black flames licking his body, but couldn't feel them. For a moment he could see nothing but dark fire, and then he was on the other side, in the last chamber. There was already someone there, but it wasn't Snape. It wasn't even Voldemort. Cliffhanger! I am so sorry for leaving everyone at a cliffhanger, but you guys are going to be so surprised to see who is at the last chamber. So, in this episode, we read chapter number 16, Through the Trap Door. Now, in the next episode, we will be reading chapter number 17, The Man with Two Faces, which is also the last chapter of this book. But don't worry, after this book, we will be also starting Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which is also my second favorite book in the series. Now, I hope you enjoyed this chapter, if you have any comments or suggestions for my podcast, feel free to message me on the Instagram page of the Harry Potter Podcast, which is in the website given in the description below. Now, I hope you have a lovely day, and bye!